Today is the 4th of August, 2022. It's the sixth day of our retreat together. And we know well about this issue of views or ditti that we have. For instance, there are some who hold the view that upon death, then there's nothing left. It's just uh, everything ends at death. And in the time of the Buddha, there were a lot of wrong views like this. For instance, there was King Bayasi who had wrong view. Then the Arahant Kumarakasapa, with a retinue of 500 disciples, traveled to the city of King Bayasi to spread Dhamma in that city. And a great number of Brahmins came to listen to the Dhamma. And the king, seeing that there were so many interested in listening to the Dhamma, the king Bayasi wanted to go too, to listen and to talk with the monks on Dhamma. And doing this was able to reduce his views that he held. And he changed to have faith in the Buddha's dispensation. And after this, he made offerings of uh, old rice, an old cloth, a coarse cloth, and he brought these things to offer. And then other people who brought things to offer, they didn't want to join in with King Bayasi's offerings because he offered these things of uh, low quality. But the other people, they wanted to offer things of, of good quality. And the king seeing this changed his, his ways. He changed his views and he changed the way he offered things. And even as a spirit, he still had this uh, change in view, even as a, a deva. So we see that the mind, the jitta, does not die. The mind doesn't die when the body dies. It's not that everything just ends at death. It's not that there's nothing left after death. In fact, when the mind, the jitta is born, it's the same as before. It continues on according to cause and condition, according to kama. With wholesome kama, one thinks of that wholesome kama at death and one goes and is born in a good place. And with unwholesome kama, one thinks of that unwholesome kama at death and goes to a bad place goes to these woeful states of existence, such as hell, the hungry ghost realm, the realm of the jealous gods or asuras, the realm of the animals. And human beings are in the middle. This is an important point. Humans are able to practice to the point of full awakening to arahantship. And they, if they wish, they can cultivate their spiritual virtues, their parami, ever higher, and they can also have the aspiration and succeed to attain and being an arahant with special abilities, or they can develop to be a foremost disciple of a Buddha, an akaraka, akarasavaka. And if they have even more strength, they can develop to become a independent Buddha or a fully self-awakened Buddha, just like our Buddha did already. So we see that we practice dhamma, we have generosity, we have virtue, we try to bring our minds to peace. 
that we contemplate the drawbacks of the mind that's agitated, the mind that's chaotic. The mind has clinging and delusion, and this quality of delusion takes the mind to be born in the cycle of samsara, to be born and die, born and die, over and over. And this goes on without end. There's no counting of it. And for a fully self-awakened Buddha to awaken, this takes a great amount of time. So we think to our individual jitta, our mind, and we think that for our minds, this quality of delusion has taken our minds to be born and died, born and died in the cycle of birth and death for a very long time. Because it's taught that the number of fully self-awakened Buddhas that have awakened already in this great course of time is more than the grains of sand in the Ganges River Basin. So we see that the mind has gone through the cycle of birth and death a great amount. So as humans were born, we have pleasure, we have happiness, we have pain and suffering. And one who gets lost in these things just suffers and there's no end to that. But as humans, there's the possibility to develop the mind and bring this suffering to an end, to seek out true happiness. So we see that humans have this capacity to change and grow. If the mind is born in other realms of existence, then sometimes these other realms have nothing but stress and alteration. For instance, little animals up to big animals, they are just trying to survive, they're just trying to get by, and it's very hard for them to maintain their lives. There was one great teacher, Krubhajan, a venerable grandfather, who was a bear in a past life. And he was hungry, so he went to eat pumpkins from some fields. And the villagers were upset about this and went to attack and stab him as a bear. So you see that animals, their lives are very hard because they don't own anything in the world. Humans take everything to be their own. So animals' lives are very hard. And even worse than this, even more uh, painful and suffering than this is the lives of the hungry ghosts, the asuras, the hell beings. It's even more difficult. It's uh, something that's very difficult. And these are states that our minds have been to before. It's just that we've forgotten about it. We've experienced torture without and without counting of it in the past. We've also been to heaven in the past as well. This is also beyond counting. So we see that this cycle of birth and death goes on without end. We're born, we age, get sick, and die every single lifetime. And every single time we cling to all of it as self. And so when we have this faith and belief in the cycle of birth and death, then we contemplate this, that every birth is suffering. It's suffering every time. And the Lord Buddha was able to develop his mind to the point of destroying the kilesas, the defilements in the mind, such that 
he did not have to be born again. So when we contemplate like this, we feel weary of samsara. Even the amount of births we experience in our own minds in the present day, we can feel weary of that, the amount of births and death that arises in our own minds, in our present life, the sense of self constantly being born in our minds, the sense of me and mine, you and yours, constantly arising. So therefore we should contemplate. We can take our left hand and grab our right hand and touch the bones of our fingers or use our right hand and grab our left hand and touch the bones of the hand, the bones of the fingers or touch the knees, the bone of the knees and contemplate all these bones in the hands and fingers and knees and head where is the self to be found? Where is me to be found? So use your mindfulness and wisdom to contemplate, to see this body as composed of earth, air, fire and water the body is just a heap of earth, a heap of water, a heap of fire, a heap of air. But the mind is deluded and clings to all of this as self, clings to all of this earth, air, fire and water as me and mine, which is the cause for suffering to arise in the present. So we receive criticism, receive harsh speech, or we receive pleasant speech and praise, and we cling to all of it or we separate from that which is loved and suffering arises. We don't want old age or sickness or death, but then when we inevitably meet with these things, then we suffer again. So the mind is like this. This is what birth is like. So we've been born already, and we must be born again, born into a noble lifetime. into a life that is noble, an Arya life. And when we do this, this is able to close off the woeful states of existence. It's able to shut the door to the lower realms. And when this happens, the mind is only born as human, as a human or deva. There's no eighth life. Lumpucha he didn't say that there's seven lifetimes left. What he said was, there's no eighth life. So therefore, in the beginning, we practice to destroy wrong view, to cut off the fetters of personality view, clinging to rites and rituals and skeptical doubt. These first three fetters which tie the mind to samsara, we see that this quality of wrong view is something firmly embedded in the heart. Our body is composed of a great many cells. The mind clings to every single cell as me and mine. But these cells in the body, they've never said that they're me or mine. They merely grow up from uh, the mother and the father. The cells multiply and divide, and gradually grow and grow and grow. But in truth, it's not self, it's not me, mine, you or yours. When you contemplate like this, the mind can start to become empty, empty from clinging to things as self. 
This is giving birth to wisdom, to see the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death that we've been lost in for a very long time already. So may you cultivate and build up your mindfulness to be firm and well-established, to bring samadhi up to various levels of samadhi. This is something that's not difficult to give rise to Kanaka Samadhi, momentary collectedness, Upajara Samadhi, neighborhood collectedness, or Apana Samadhi, a one-pointed collectedness. This is something that all of you are capable of doing if you really truly set your hearts on this. It's something that you can do. It's merely up to your effort. So if you really set your hearts on this, then you'll be able to understand the path, the correct path of practice. Then you won't have any doubts. And this is something not easy to come by, to have someone come along and point out the correct way of practice. It's not easy at all. The Buddha taught the way already, the correct way of practice. Then the Arahants have pointed out the way uh, from then on after the Buddha, then Lumpucha taught the correct path. And that path is to have mindfulness, to have a lot of mindfulness, to bring the mind to peace and collectedness, to have virtue as a foundation. This is something of incredibly great value in our lives. And we contemplate the body, where is the self to be found? Because we're deluded and lost in this body, thinking that it's something beautiful, that it's something permanent, a source of pleasure and happiness, and a self. These are misperceptions, uh, deceptions. So we contemplate to see it as impermanent, as not beautiful, as suffering, as not self. This is seeing the Dhamma. And if we don't see it, then it's because the mindfulness is not firm, the mindfulness is not continuous, and when this is the case, then there's no samadhi, there's only a little bit of wisdom. And even with a little bit of wisdom, however, we can see the truth a little bit at a time, see emptiness bit by bit. This will gradually give more strength and energy to the mind to practice Dhamma further. And then the path factors of sila, samadhi, and panya gather together and are able to destroy the delusion in the mind, to change wrong views, to become right view. And just this, we see that the self is not self, that which is permanent, or that which we thought was permanent is impermanent, that which we thought was pleasure is suffering, and it's not self. This is seeing the Dhamma. This is what Venerable Anya Kandanya saw this is the vision of Dhamma that arose in his mind. Everything that's of the nature to arise is of the nature to pass away. Just this. All materiality and mentality arises and ceases. And seeing this, it's not beyond our capacity. It's not beyond our ability. We just have to set our hearts on this. So on this sixth day of the retreat, may you have effort perseverance and cultivating mindfulness in the present moment a lot. 
try to abandon that which is unwholesome and prevent that which is unwholesome from arising to do that which is wholesome and that which is wholesome is bringing mindfulness to be firmly established this is a great goodness make it firmly established well this leads to wisdom leads to true knowledge and true seeing which is able to cut off the defilements in the heart to cut off these first three fetters to close the door to the lower realms of existence this is something that we can do in this life because we aspire for and wish for Nibbana that which is the highest and if there's insufficient strength in the mind to fully attain to the Dhamma then we can see enough to cut off attachment in the heart to a degree because whatever the mind attaches to that's where it suffers whether there's disliking, aversion, or worry it's suffering right there so we have to have effort to set our hearts on the practice this is the way to practice so for those of you who've come to gather in the monastery or gathering online to practice you are people that have this firm intent of setting your hearts on the practice you set your hearts to practice the Dhamma with sincerity to train your minds so may you strive, may you have effort and perseverance in this training of the mind as a as practice, as a homage to the fully self-awakened Buddha. This is something of great value and importance for us in our lives. So all of us here, may we have samadhi, this collectedness of mind. May you meet with the Dhamma of the Buddha one day.